Hello, and welcome back to the show, the one all about British culture and British English. In the last Bite Size episode, we talked about sweets, British sweets. Yeah, we had uh, Terry's chocolate orange, Jaffa cakes, and dairy milk bars. Now, we are going to turn our attention to British desserts, as we also have quite the collection. This is where the British cuisine really steps it up, really makes a name for itself. Because I'm sure you've heard of the crumble, the Victoria sponge, the trifle, and perhaps you've even caught whispers of the legendary bread and butter pudding. Well, wipe your mouth and fetch a napkin because I am going to talk you through the best part of every British menu. This episode comes with a free worksheet to help you better understand the natural expressions that come up. And what's more is that we have the app. You can download the app, listen to the episode in the app and access the free worksheet all on the same page. It's incredibly convenient. You've got to try it. So go to the App Store now and search the British English podcast or BEP as in B-E-P. First off, the crumble. The crumble gets its name from the crumbly nature. It breaks apart easily into small balls or clumps of wet sand. The baked dough covers layers of cooked fruits. Apple crumble tends to be the go-to, but there's also rhubarb for people who like a bit of a kick. I think I've even heard of pear and cherry, but you can't just throw in any old thing. It's not a pie, though the dough has that kind of taste. It's savoury and yet sweet at the same time and really rounds off a nice hot supper. I personally like to have mine with cream or with um, vanilla ice cream, not the 99p kind of vanilla swirl of processed kind of ice cream. You know, like a, a, a really nice vanilla ice cream. But you could also opt for custard, which is a yellow plastic or something. Maybe it's made from eggs. I really don't know. But it tastes great. And there's one very clear packaging for me. Bird's Custard. The brand Bird's Custard. I think it's uh, UK based. It's got uh, very bright colours. Blue, yellow and red from what I recall. Anyway, the, the custard goes on the apple crumble and you lap it up and you're ready for bed probably after that. Yep. Uh, next is the Victoria sponge, which tends to be taken with a cup of tea. It's not really an end of meal dessert like the apple crumble is, more in addition to a finely brewed pot of Earl Grey tea. Now, I'm aware that sponge cakes are pretty common across the world, but this British version got its namesake from the Victorian food manufacturer. That's Victorian as in during the reign of Queen Victoria the period of the Victorians. Um, so his name wasn't Victoria. You know, let's just get that clear. When this chap invented baking powder, thus allowing the addition of, of butter to the traditional sponge recipe, the result was the creation of the more flavorful and velvety Victoria sponge, which is more or less two halves of a sponge cake with jam slapped in the middle. Of course, if the deceptively heavy cake is too much for your stomach, you might opt for the more quintessential English scone with cream. 
during your tea. In fact, should you ever come to London, which you should, try afternoon tea at the Ritz Hotel. It's the fanciest way to drink tea and eat scones. I think even if a, a group of builders went into the Ritz Hotel, they would drink their brew with their pinky finger extended. I'd like to take a break from this episode to tell you that this show is funded by you, the listener. That's right. Not through a charitable donation, but through providing you with two hugely beneficial learning resources. One is called The Academy and the other is called The Premium Podcast. The Academy doors are currently shut until further notice, but The Premium Podcast is open for you to sign up to right now. So if you listen to this show regularly, uh, say once a week perhaps, and you want me to continue producing it, then I need your help because this is my full-time job. And I also want to provide free education for those who really cannot afford it. But if you are in a situation where you can spare £7 a month for loads of bonus podcast content, manually edited transcripts and extended glossaries and flashcards, then I'd love you to consider supporting the show because that will give me a way to continue doing what I love to do and for those who really cannot afford it to get a free education. You can find out more by clicking the relevant link in the show notes of this episode or head over to thebritishenglishpodcast.com or download the British English Podcast app in your app store. Back to the episode. Anyway, back to the other desserts. Trifle. This is like the second cousin twice removed of Victoria Sponge because it is basically the same ingredients but arranged by Picasso, let's say. Uh, imagine layers of fruits, cream and meringue stacked up like a bloody lasagna. Uh, summer tends to be the preferred time for it because it is light and uh, unlike a lasagna and the shareable portions make it perfect for a summer picnic. But really you can eat this any time of the year. Now the king of British puddings in some people's opinions might go to the bread and butter pudding. Yes, you heard me right. Bread and butter pudding. It's a pudding made from bread and, <laughs> you guessed it, butter. Now, what you do is very complicated. So listen up. You take some bread, you spread some butter on it, and then you cook it. That's it. That's really it. And it tastes bloody brilliant. Of course, there's a bit more to it than that. You have to sprinkle some raisins over it, cover it with egg custard and nutmeg, that sort of thing. It all helps to turn it into more of a dessert and less of a, a toast. <laughs> but the foundation of this popular dish is, in fact, just regular old bread and butter. Now, I've got another dessert for you that's name gives it away. But uh, if you're anything like my mother, it could take you over 50 years to crack the code. It goes by the name of Banoffee Pie. Banoffee Pie. Think about it. Mm. I wonder if you can decipher that one. I'll give you a clue, though, because um, after all, my mother had been baking it for at least three decades of her life before she clocked where it gets its name from. So we have bananas, cream and a thick 
caramel sauce made from boiled condensed milk, apparently, uh, combined either on a buttery biscuit base or one made from crumbled biscuits and butter. Some versions of the recipe also include chocolate, coffee or both. And I'm going to give you some history of the pudding from good old Wikipedia. Um, Credit for the pie's invention is claimed by two men from East Sussex, which is a county that is southeast of London. Uh, They claimed to have developed the dessert in 1971 by amending an unreliable American recipe for Blum's Coffee Toffee Pie. Like saying that, Coffee Toffee Pie. Coffee Toffee Pie. Would you like some Coffee Toffee Pie? I'd love some Coffee Toffee Pie. Oh, what lovely Coffee Toffee Pie. So this Coffee Toffee Pie, uh, sorry, Blum's Coffee Toffee Pie, um, was taken and then they added a soft toffee made by boiling an unopened can of condensed milk for several hours. Wow. Mmm. Unopened condensed milk. Yummy for my tummy. Well, it is actually yummy for my tummy because I bloody love it. But uh, I didn't know that it was a boiled, unopened can of condensed milk that I loved so much in my tummy. Um, After trying various changes, apparently, including the addition of apple or mandarin orange, one of the two suggested banana. And the other bloke turned to him and said, ha, we've nailed it. We've cracked it. What should we call it? And they suggested the name Banoffee Pie. Yes. My mother was astonished when she realised when she had toffee in one hand, a banana in the other. She's like, oh, it's banoffee pie. I get it. Well done, mother. And the dish proved so popular with their customers, these two guys that created it, you know, from East Sussex. You remember that? Um, It proved so successful for them that they couldn't take it off of their menu and yeah. The recipe was adopted by many other restaurants throughout the world. In fact, in 1984, a number of supermarkets began selling it as an American pie. Oh, scandalous. Leading Nigel McKenzie, one of the two, to offer a £10,000 prize to anyone who could disprove their claim to be the English inventors of this pie. The word banoffee entered the English language and became used to describe any food or product that tastes or smells of both banana and toffee. But to be totally honest, I've personally never heard people use the word unless they are referencing the pudding. So if something does taste like banana and toffee, I would say something like, oh, it's um, it's a bit banoffee-like, isn't it? It's a bit banoffee-like, isn't it? Like, that's an important word in that sentence. It's a bit banoffee-like, isn't it? So you're not using the word in its own meaning. You're referencing a thing that you think it tastes like. It's a bit banoffee-like, isn't it? That word like in that sentence, you could apply it to loads of situations, uh, you know, if it reminds you of that thing. It's a bit something like, isn't it? Right, that is all we have time for in this bite-sized episode, but we've really just scratched the surface. So some honourable mentions that I encourage you to learn more about are as follows. We have Eaton Mess. Eaton Mess, this is a meringue with whipped cream and strawberries. Meringue, look at the flashcards if you're a premium or academy member, 
or Google Meringue. Good luck with the spelling. Again, the transcripts will help with this. Premium or Academy members will benefit from that. Uh, So Meringue, whipped cream and strawberries. And the name Eton refers to a famous private school that far too many of our prime ministers attended. Um, Then we've also got Sticky Toffee Pudding. It's one that actually probably makes my top three favourite desserts of all time, regardless of where they come from. Uh, This one consists of a moist sponge cake made with finely chopped dates covered in a toffee sauce and often served with a vanilla custard or vanilla ice cream. Yummy for my tummy. Um, And I'll also mention Millionaire's Shortbread, which is the... um, you know, the average Joe's shortbread or average uh, Scottish Joe's. What's a what's the um, Hamish? Hamish is a common Scottish name. The average Hamish's shortbread, but topped with caramel, topped with chocolate. And if that's not uh, enough toppings, then the icing on the cake for this one is that I know it doesn't cost as much to buy as the name suggests. You'll often see these in a coffee shop right next to the till, tempting any, um, you know, bold single coffee orderer to treat themselves to a cheeky little millionaire's shortbread. Um, It's a great tool for the uh, barista to upsell the customer with, you know. Anything else with that coffee? Would you like a millionaire's shortbread, perhaps? You know, just that one over there. Look at it, look at it. Yes, it's delicious. looks delightful, doesn't it? Yummy for my tummy. But there we go. Um, Yeah, hope you enjoyed that episode all about British desserts. And uh, I I, I forgot, sorry, if you ever go to the tennis at Wimbledon, make sure you get yourself some strawberries and cream. But I'd start saving up for them now because unlike the millionaire's shortbread, you do indeed need to be a millionaire to enjoy that dessert at the tennis without feeling ripped off. Remember to grab that free worksheet. The app is available. I've made it really user-friendly for anyone and everyone to use the free worksheet with the podcast in the app. So go get the British English podcast at your preferred app store. That's all from me. Thank you very much. Lots of love from your host, Charlie Baxter. And I'll see you next week on the British English podcast. 